0: What if I told you growth happens after the collapse? What if I told you separately we are weak, but together we change the world? This is a personal development social experiment designed to grow the participants, the producer and the audience equally. This is 30 for 30. Welcome back to the latest edition of 30 for 30 a presentation by i coach which is myself marvin nash i'm joined with my guest today coach L.C. Cisneros. he is uh, the re- passing game coordinator he is the recruiting coordinator coaches wide receivers at the uh, established cleburne high school uh, <laughs> coach welcome man glad to have you on hey thanks for having me thanks for having me absolutely absolutely well Coach and I ran into each other in this big world that we know. is Twitter. Uh, we know we we like some similar tweets. Got into a into a good conversation, and then we met up once again in a in a Bible study group that we meet that we meet exclusively on Zoom. Uh, and I was able to hear just a blessing of a, a story from a previous podcast, and uh, and Coach is going to share that with us today. Uh, it's basically his testimony and, and all about his life. So, Coach, I just want you without further ado, I just want you to hop in. Oh,
1: well, thanks. Thanks for having me again, man. You know, anytime that I uh, get the opportunity to share my testimony, it's just a great opportunity for, you know, God to bless somebody somehow um, and always tell people when they're sharing their testimony. Um, uh, just don't worry about what you have to say. Just pray that God gives you the words and whatever you say is going to be a blessing. And so and the crazy thing about sharing your testimony is it's never the same. You know, it's um the the story's the same, but the way you deliver it and kind of how it impacts people is always different. But I guess we'll take it back, man. You know, just growing up um, in a single single parent house with uh, my biological mother. Um, you know, and she uh, we were very nomadic. I was born in Austin, Texas, and I think um, when I was a year or two, something like that, we moved to Oklahoma, uh, and so I was in Oklahoma, you know, all the way until I was in second grade. Um, but um, I was all over the place because during that stint in Oklahoma, I moved to New Mexico and then I moved back. And so um, I think in the span of whenever you could start, I guess Head Start all the way up to second grade, man. I was I'd been to probably eight or nine different schools and and um, just always on the move, you know. And so um, we, you know, when our time in Arizona and New Mexico stopped, you know, we ended up moving to Arizona and I spent my third and fourth and fifth grade year there um in school before moving back to texas in sixth grade and so um just being out there you know she was with this guy i guess when i was like two um great guy i mean obviously he took care of us but when we were um in arizona when i was in fourth grade um she had left um i guess in search for work or something i don't know um see the thing about my biological mother is um she wasn't like a druggie. She wasn't an alky. Um, she just for some reason just couldn't keep a job, man. Like, and it it wasn't that she wasn't um able to. I just think there was always some kind of complication. You know, she suffered from MS, uh, which is a disease that like just attacks a lot of different things. And um, I don't know if that was the reason I never really took the time to ask her, but she was never like really around for me to do that, you know, and so but she left and I was kind of staying uh, with this guy and obviously I never called him dad you know just his name was Donnie so I called him that you know and um, but you know when she left man like when you talk about feeling alone and you feel like not having anybody and the town that I was at was big it was it was it had a Mormon church probably the biggest church I've ever seen in my entire life where that church ran the entire town like the preacher if you ever if you've ever seen a movie Footloose it was kind of like that. Everything went through that church, you know, and stuff like that. And so um, I just felt really alone, man, you know, and didn't feel like I had anybody. Um, I would, the only thing I really had was, like, sports, you know, and so, like, I was really involved with sports there. Um, but the thing that was crazy is, man, like, we lived probably, like, three, four miles from the school. Um, and, you know, as, as a youth, when you're, like, in fourth grade, Fifth grade, because in fifth grade there you could play for the school, so like it was it was kind of weird, but they had like a league that the school could play in. But like I would find myself like having to walk like to and from games, to and from practices. Sometimes I would just when school ended, I would just if practice didn't start till six, I would just sit there and just hang out, um you know, at the school and um just you know that kind of thing. And so it was it was it was difficult for me, you know. Um, I remember. Um, you know playing basketball but not having shorts or shoes to do so so I had like some busted up they're probably filas or fubu or something like that you know and um you know I had to take like sweats and cut them or jeans and cut them and so you know I was always embarrassed just because I was just like all these kids have these things and I don't but like I never like I think something crazy like a gift that guy gave me was just like I never was like, felt sorry for myself. You know, I was just always like, this is just what I have to deal with, you know? And so um, there's a family there that kind of just noticed that I was struggling and they kind of just helped me out with that stuff. But anyways, so a year and a half passes and my biological mother comes back and was just like, Hey, I found, I found a work, um, you know, and I found this guy. I was just like, what do you mean he found this guy? But you know, whatever, you know? And so, fifth grade you know packing up again so at that point man I tell you I had probably been from all the way up till you know obviously I stayed in one spot from third from third to fifth grade but I'd moved a whole bunch like even though I was in that one spot like in that school I moved a whole bunch you know and so um ended up moving back to Texas man and um when I got here um you know Dillion is where I'm from um, and it's a very, very small town outside of Stephenville, Texas. It's got two red lights, two blinking lights. Um, you know, it's got a subway, you know, if that means anything, uh, and a Dollar General, so that's cool. And, uh, but, it, um, you know, it's, it's one of the 2,500 people, 2A. But the cool thing about that town and those small towns, is, man, like on Friday nights when you're playing that game, like, it, everybody's at that game That that's from that town and that's really sweet so but when I first got there man like that was the first time in my entire life where I felt like something was going to be constant something was gonna I wouldn't have to worry about getting up and changing because that's where a lot of my like like my relationship issues came from with people is like why why take the time to get to know you if I'm just gonna leave so I was very to myself always you know and so um, even when I first got the delay on, it, it was the same way, you know, and, it, and there was a couple of friends who I had that really took me in, you know, right off the bat. Um, but, you know, they weren't the, I wouldn't say they were bad because they're not, but they were just doing a lot of things that I know that weren't what I needed to do. But when you don't have people show you attention and they finally do, then you're not going to sit there and downplay what they're doing. So when they offer you anything or they say, let's do this, you just, okay, yeah, for sure I'm there, you know, and so kind of a peer pressure thing, but at the same time, just wanted that attention, so we moved back, you know, and through that whole time, man, like, I just, I always had a problem staying at home, like, I never felt like I really ever belonged, you know, so, like, I would always, you know, be with a friend, and be like, hey, ask your mom if I can stay tonight, or whatever, just because I just didn't want to be at home, man, like, and I never knew why, and still to this day, I just, I never really understood why I wanted to be that way, but Maybe that was God's way of just giving me a feeling of like, hey, like, I'm going to take care of you, but in the midst of all this, like, here are some people that can watch out for you, you know, and all this other stuff. And so anyways, just fast forwarding, man, you know, when I first got the Dillion, bro, like, I was the only person in the entire town of any kind of African-American descent. And I'm only half, you know, Um, I still claim that half, you know, shout shout out to my people, you know, Um, but at the same time, I, uh, you know, I got called. The N-word, bro, I, I would get bullied so bad, and, um, and it was terrible. But who was I going to turn to? And so I had um, the, the, the friends who I really um, got to know were the Hispanics. Well, this, this, this particular family in, the, in Dillion, no one messed with. He just didn't mess with them. So they took me under their wing, man, and, like, kind of took care of me. And so, like, anytime I had a problem with, like, a boy or something, like, obviously it was always the people that were, like, massive – the big, giant, you know, overweight guys who pick on the little tiny prey, and it was those guys. And a lot of people, I feel like, get um, get threatened by anything that's different, and that might be a challenge of them. Because here's what the people didn't understand is, like, I'm not trying to toot my own my own horn, but I was pretty good at, at sports. And um, there's a lot of people who got mad when I would take people's spots. And it wasn't even their spot I was taking. It was their friend. And they felt like their friend should be playing well the same time if your if your friend's not better than the person that's playing then that's your friend's fault for not being good you know and so like what are you going to do to get better you know and so anyways all that stuff was happening man and I just I felt like God was you know he was just telling me like hey you know you're you I prepared you for this you know you're strong enough you know and so he was just you know I got really good at ignoring things and so when and it was crazy. The craziest thing ever is when I, when I finally just stopped letting it affect me, and letting them see that it affected me, bro, it just stopped out of nowhere. And here's the other crazy thing: when I started playing sports, bro, in Dillion, like, and people started seeing I was good, their whole outlook and their way they treated me completely changed. And I know why it did, you know. Um, but at the same time like I was starting to get people to pay attention to me and all this other stuff. And it started feeling good, you know, but just do all that stuff happening, to man. It was just, um, just, you know, always felt like I was left out, you know, or, or different, you know? And so um obviously just hung out with, the, you know, the people who showed me the, the attention that always treated me fairly, but they weren't doing the best of things, you know? And so, I was smoking weed and drinking on a regular basis. Um, I really didn't mess with any hardcore stuff, you know, because I was always scared to. And thank God he gave me that feeling of being scared, you know. Uh, but um, the thing is, they never pressured me into it, you know. And so I was just like, man, these are my people. Well, anyways, fast forward. So, you know, my biological mother's in and out of work. Um, we end up, getting, you know, moving all over the place. And Dillion, I'm pretty sure we live in probably 10 houses. Um, all the way up until my sophomore year. And so basically my sophomore year comes leading up into my sophomore year, man, like I'd say probably in June or July of, shoot, man, 2004. I guess that's when that was. Um, But anyways, um, you know, our electricity goes out, right? And so we don't have electricity. Well, obviously electricity, if you look at it, it's probably like, what, 130 months, something like that. We went six months without electricity, bro, you know? Um, no hot water, and so, um, what was ended up happening is like you know those summers during in, in Texas are hot, bro, so when you yeah. don't have air- when you don't have air conditioning, it is tough it is tough to go to sleep. you don't have a fan because you don't have electricity, it's tough to go to sleep, and so um you know we were having to go like um, you know, I would go and take showers at like um you know the, the neighbor, the neighbor's house or whatever like that, but man, I just for me I was just like this is so dumb like you can't like you can't provide at least that you know and so there I go again just living with different people you know and um you know I I went back because I was just like this is kind of where I need to be but one night I guess because everything we had man we just uh it was it was lit by candlelight you know and one night I'm I'm just asleep bro probably covered in sweat you know whatever and uh I wake up to a lot of commotion, man, and there's nothing but smoke, right? So, what ended up happening in my sophomore year, man, is like, um, like everything I had growing up, like pictures, um, just any kind of thing that I like valued just from all the years of moving to stuff, man, just up in flames. So, in, in the blink of an eye, bro, it's gone. That and everything is burnt, right? And, and it's about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, bro. And so, um, you know, our head coach at the time was really good about, um, you know, he got a lot of stuff for me, you know, and uh, just hooked me up with um, everything that I needed, you know. And so, like, I guess my father figured throughout all those years were my coaches, you know, just because for some reason they were always there, you know. And so and they didn't have to be, you know. And so they ended up hap- – that happened. So I was just like, you know what, it's just not fair. I don't know what's going on or why. And that's the first time in my life where I still started, like, playing the victim a little bit you know, just why me was, well, I, I do right by people, um, you know, all this other stuff. Well, anyways, man, so I was really good friends with this guy named Joseph um, Cisneros. And, um, you know, we played ball together. Um, I had stayed with his family the previous summer, just kind of just in and out. Um, but there was, a, a, by I think my junior year Thanksgiving, you know um i didn't have nowhere to go you know and so i was just like hey can you ask your parents um is it okay if i join you i don't have anywhere to go and um he was like yes and if anybody knows my parents man they're they're the most giving and um and that's when i tell people right now like my parents are the people who took me in you know and so um but anyways they were like yeah for sure he you know he we'd be more than happy to have him like tell him to come on so i went man and like what's crazy is I went to their Thanksgiving with them and I felt like, I felt like that was it. Like, that's where I belonged. Like out of all my years, 17 years of living, that was the first time I felt like I was actually where uh, I was, I was meant to be, you know? And so that ended up happening. And then, so I kind of just kind of started moving my stuff over there. Um, I didn't have a lot, but I kind of moved my stuff over there. And then like, I just kind of never left. (laughs) And, um, you know, there was a time when my dad, um, you know, was going to go talk to my biological mother and about me kind of going back. And not that he didn't want me there, but he's really big about relationships and family, like, and that you need to. And so he went over there to her, um, to where she was staying and was, like, about to get out the truck, man. And he said that he felt like an overwhelming feeling. And God just came over and was just like, hey, like, he's where he needs to be he's your child now, like I want you to take care of him. And he said that, man, he just, he froze, like he couldn't do anything. Cause and so he left and came back, shared that story. And it was just like, it was a wrap man. And and then the thing that was crazy is, um, you know, going into my senior year, obviously the adoption process um, is extensive um, and just with school and all that stuff financial aid and everything it would have just made it real murky and I didn't want to make their lives more complicated but paper or no paper man that's that's my family you know what I mean regardless and nothing nothing's gonna ever change that uh but when I uh turned when I was about to turn 18 we went to court um I kind of just one one night shared with them like I just really feel like this is where I need to be I thank you guys so much. And I just, I've been praying and I, I think, I you know, I need to become a Cisneros. Like, how how do you feel about me taking your name? Because it used to be Williams, you know? Um, so the biggest challenge on that was trying to learn how to write Cisneros after writing Williams for so long. That was, <laughs> that was tough, you know? But uh-huh. anyway, so that ended up happening, bro. And, um, you know, we had our moment. We kind of saw it a little bit. But man, like, I don't think it really hit me how good God was. Like I was blessed the whole time. Like, when, like I started going to church on a regular basis and not because they they were going and I had to go because I was, they, they had created these core values and these things in life that you want to strive for. And I really started believing that one for myself. So I started going to church on a regular basis, getting really involved in youth and stuff like that, man. And then, um, you know, all that stuff ended up happening. Um, and you know, um, we were playing one one game one night, and the announcer um, was just like, "Hey, um, do you want to go ahead and just use you know it's just narrows now?" And I said, "Of course! Like, why do you even have to ask that question? Like, I'm not a Williams anymore. That I threw that passed away, you know, and that's not what I'm focused on anymore. And so I don't think it really hit me until like I, I think I broke. We ran counter my senior my senior year. ran counter probably. Sixty times a game, I feel like, cause it was it was always counter, but it worked for us, you know. And so, we ran counter, and I think I scored like a probably like a set like a sixty, seventy yard run or whatever. And they were like an LC Cisneros with the touchdown, and like when I heard that, bro, like I just started like balling, bro. Like I was just like I cannot believe how good God was and how He blessed me with so much, and cause I never thought I was worthy, you know what I mean, of a of a blessing. I just felt like that was the life I was dealt. And I just had to deal with it and no one's going to feel sorry for me. So why well, feel sorry for myself, you know? And so all this stuff happened, but yeah, man, my parents still to this day, you know, they, you know, they never missed a, any of my games in high school. That's every sport that you play, you know, uh, football, basketball, baseball and track. And then when I went to Harden Simmons and played football there, um, you know, they never missed a game. I mean, I'm talking like, Mississippi College, Louisiana College, um, going up to playing in Washington, Oregon, and Wisconsin. Like, there was always someone there because at the time, you know, when I was a freshman in college, my older sister, uh, Rachel, she um, was playing basketball for Harden Simmons as well. So, like – and my um, younger sister was playing basketball um, in Dillion. So, it was just like it didn't matter sometimes my parents went slept separate ways to go to different games, but there was always someone present. And that's what like, I love so much about that family is it didn't matter where you were at. Like they were going to show you unconditional love and they were going to support you no matter what. And it was awesome because I have all kinds of pictures of like Saturday games. And, um, you know, cause me, me and my sister struggled with the whole thing. Um, of me kind of jumping into the family. Cause she kind of felt like at first I was trying to take over and I didn't want to, I would, my intentions weren't that at all. I just wanted to feel like I belonged, you know? Um, and so I got to spend time with my younger sister. Cause when I first moved in, she was in sixth grade. So like sixth and seventh grade, I spent with her, Joseph, I just played with, so we were always tight, but I never got to really build a relationship with my sister, Rachel. But so that was what we, and I wanted her approval so bad, bro. Um, I know I did a lot of things. I went about it the wrong way a lot. Um, but like, to this day we're still working on it but man if you can see where we're at now versus where we started you wouldn't even you wouldn't even believe it you know but um but the fact that like when you after those saturday games bro when like you get done playing because you really don't know who's all there you're just focused yeah. on the game it's game time and you know they you see them after the game and they've got like custom jerseys or like with your number and your name on the back like and it's like there's like 25 of them there and they're all they all came to see you bro like come on now you know Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people don't get that and that's why like I took it so serious like and Mm -hmm. so it's still to this day with you know having a kid of my own now and and having a wife like I never want my daughter to ever worry about not having someone there to support her and so I think God put me through all that situation to one make me make me durable uh to to make me tough but at the same time really appreciate the good things that happen in your life you know and so you know, like getting to meet you is a blessing. Any anytime I get to meet people, man, just and chop it up about anything. Like it's an opportunity for me to create something new and something long lasting. Because I don't, I don't talk to people. I'm not a, like a, I'm not an air filler. I don't just try to fill people up with air. Um, if if I invest in you and I talk to you, it's because I truly want to build a relationship and not one that's just temporary, one that's long standing. So that's why like I'm. Like, I'm real serious about the people I mess with, you know, because Mm -hmm. I don't want – I don't want – I wouldn't want someone to just talk to me and then, um, you know, not mean anything they said with no Mm -hmm. substance. You know what I mean? And so – but, yeah, man, so fast forward, you know, it's been – I guess I was 16 and I'm 31, so this November will be 15 years that I've been – with that family and and it'll be 13 years that I've been assistant arrows man and it's it's been awesome but I am the way I am today and I am where I'm at today only because of the good lord and because of an amazing family who um you know that just always supported me you know when when you get an opportunity coach Nash man like I want you to come meet you know um my, my uh, parents, you know, Jennifer and Greg and then my sister and all them, you know, there's a lot now, you know, cause they got, <laughs> they got husbands, they got spouses and kids, but Rachel, mm-hmm. Joseph and Micah, man, are, are my siblings. And then, um, you know, they've, you know, they've been patient with me because I, it mm-hmm. wasn't easy. It was not easy, man, because I was, I was a mess, bro, you mm-hmm. know, but, And I'm, and that's why I believe that like the power of love is so important, man, and it's so it, it changes. And um, if you just would take the opportunity to get to know somebody and just love them, you know, the way that you would want to be loved, then the, the the world we live in would be completely different. But people are blind to it, man. and mm-hmm. and people people do not want to change. Yeah. People people are so fixated in what they're doing that they do not want to change. And it makes me sick, man, because you know what? Like, how could you – Coach Nash, when I first met you, how would how would that make you feel if I was like, you know what? I don't even know you, but I don't like you. Yeah. And, you, and yeah. this is what you would say. How can you not like somebody that you don't know? Mm-hmm. And that's what really happened to me when I was growing up and the place I grew up, man, is people didn't like me and they didn't even know me. Mm-hmm. And, and once once you get to know somebody – you understand maybe that's why they act that way. Maybe they're not a jerk. Maybe they're not um, trying to think they're better than people, but maybe they've been through so much that they just, they're so closed in, man. And their walls mm-hmm. are so built. They're so tall that mm-hmm. you're like, they're not going to let anybody in. Um, and it takes a lot uh, to, to get someone to admit those type of things. But what do you have to do for that to happen? You have to get to know them. You have, have to, to give get an to opportunity. Them. And so, that's why all this stuff you see going on in the world right now, people are just judging based off what they see and not what they know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's tough, you know, being, yeah. um, you know, being in a place where there's not a lot of diversity, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, it's tough to um, really get that point across, you know, but yeah. here, here in Cleveland, man, like, you know we don't have a lot of african american in our in our student body and so but the ones we do they're just as important as anybody else and and they need they need that love from us you know they need that support you know because you know a lot of them do and not just those kids there's a lot of kids that we coach you know this that don't have much and Absolutely. they they might come to practice every morning at 6 and not eat anything that night not have anything to eat that morning, and they're giving everything they can in practice. And unless you get take the time to get to know them and understand their story, you might get mad because you feel like they're not going hard enough. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're giving everything they have, and that's it. That's all they have. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. that's the real reason why we we should even be in this profession is to really get back to these kids anyways, man. That's
0: it. And, uh, you know, that's funny you say that, man. One of my favorite things I learned from a coach, man, probably my first year coaching back in 06, was that the hurt player, the lazy player, the unmotivated player, and the unprepared player all look alike. So we we have to be able to decipher which is which. And sometimes the unmotivated player is unmotivated because he didn't have anything to eat before he got there. He had to stay up all night and watch his baby sister while mom had to work all night. You know, it, it, you never know what these kids are going through. So just your story alone makes me want to ask you this question, because uh, I know already that you're a heck of a coach. And you know why? I, I probably – I may have seen one game that you coached in maybe uh, way back in the day. But as an as a, as a outsider looking in, the way that you care about each individual that you, that you come across, that you, you genuinely build a relationship with, I know you do that with, the, with these kids – so, tell me this. How does your past affect the way that you coach right now? Um, I think it makes me really appreciate
1: just everything about it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Coach, listen, I, I want yeah. to win. Listen to the next guy. Uh-huh. and um, But at the end of the day, man, like, if we're striving to be, um, you know, in God's image, and if we're striving to really um, be more like him, more Christ-like, um, then it's not about the wins and losses, and victories come in more ways than just the game, you know. And um, I think just just being there for those kids, and just letting them know that you know you might not have the support you feel like you want, but there are people that care for you because that's what that that's literally all I wanted growing up, man. Is just someone to show they cared. That was it. Like even if it was one person that generally cared, it probably would have changed a lot of different things. Obviously you know, um, people are there for, for support, but you can tell the difference between someone who's really investing in you and someone who's just there because it's convenient or mm-hmm. it's their job. You know what I mean? And I think just my past help helped prepare me to um just be able to withstand the hard times, like my first season here in Cleveland going 0 and ten. Mm-hmm. You know, any anybody that's ever experienced that, you know, God bless you, you know, because it is tough, you know, but just being able to withstand the storms and you know, and just being able to find out and kind of really appreciate and celebrate the little victories, you know, of, of a kid finally running a route correctly um, or a kid in class um, finally understanding something. Or maybe you're watching film and a kid says something before you have to say it and you're sitting back just like, man, that is so awesome that they're finally understanding what's going on. You know, just to see the culture change. You know, Coach Waterman, man, uh, we came here to Cleaver, man. It was just it was so messed up, bro. Um, and he's done such a phenomenal job of really trying to change the culture to get these kids just to believe because you know just as well as me is if you can get 22 kids on a Friday night to believe in, in each other and that they're going to be able to do great things, like that's a, that's a scary team, you know what I mean, on any given night, you know. Um, so um, I think just that's kind of how it prepared me, you know, just being tough, learning to appreciate all the good, um, even in the bad times. Um, always just try to find something, even if everything seems so bad. What happened that was even a little bit positive that I can focus on to help change my mood? Because, you know, I don't really get mad often, bro. Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason for me to waste my energy and time being mad. Like, if I could spend it, you know, trying to become a better person and maybe helping somebody else. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you I don't get I'm not going to tell you I don't get angry because I do. I get angry all like a lot, but I'm saying, like, I don't stay that way. Like, it's more of a, like, let me, let me be angry, but I'm not going to ever take it out on anybody, you know, or anything like that. So it's, um, this is what I was meant to do, man. Cause when I graduated college, bro, I moved to Houston and I worked in sales. So I was in corporate America selling first aid and safety equipment, um, in the heart of Houston, you know, and anybody everybody that's ever been down there knows that it's all oil and gas And safety and first aid is huge. It's a huge market. And I was working hours, hours, suit and tie, um, installing stuff sometimes like just, and all for what, man? Like, you know, I obviously had a salary, what was low, like 30 grand. Um, so everything I'm, if I wanted to eat or survive, like I had to sell. So I was, I just felt like a predator, bro. Like I was always chasing something and, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a good feeling, and I lasted about 18 months in it before I really felt like God was like, you need to, you need to quit this. You need to go back home because what ended up happening is, like, is I, I, I left – I left the, the company's name was Centos. I left that company and moved back to Arlington with my sister and them. My mm-hmm. sister was teaching and my brother was teaching and coaching. They were both at Mansfield Lake Ridge. Yeah. So I moved back with them um, like in April. And I was kind of just so lost, bro. Like I just had no, what do I do now? How do I even get started in this career path? You know? And I started working for uh, Mansfield's maintenance department and I started doing that. And then I started, just, uh, I had a, a friend of mine reach out and say, Hey, there's this, um, there's this company, the alternative certification program uh called ECAP, which is in North mm-hmm. Richmond Hills. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you should seek, seek it out. And so, um, I did it. And then like, um, it was, it was crazy because I didn't expect, cause a lot of people, especially like a lot of schools that are up in that area that have money, um, and everything like that, like, they, they typically won't take someone in as a teacher unless you have, um, a certification already. <laughs> and for me, I had just got started in the alternative certification in like April of 2014. And, um, I, uh, Ended up just doing that, doing the coursework, and then I just applied for. I had a friend hit me up and say, "Hey, um, there's this job at Grapevine Middle School. Uh, you you should apply for it." So I applied for it, man. Not not thinking anything, cause I was like, I just got started in this program. Like I literally have been in this program for two months, and I'm going for this, man. And I just go. I don't know. I've never been in Grapevine. I don't know what it looks like, but it was nice. It was really nice, and. Uh, I went in there and just talked with that principal and uh, just shared my heart, man, and just told him how much I just, I wasn't trying to fill in with smoke to get a job. I just, this is how I am. Um, this is what I feel about these kids and how important it is that they grow and succeed. And um, so from Arlington to Mansfield, um, when there's no traffic on 360 um, um, or not Mansfield for Arlington to Grapevine um, it takes probably like 30 minutes. 35 minutes or something like that. I, man, I left after that interview. And as I was pulling back into my sister's house, um, I got a phone call and I was like, who is this? I said, great model on call ID. And basically what ended up happening was, um, she said, Hey, we love you. Um, you know, everything you said was great. Uh, we want to offer you a contract. Are you wow. kidding me, bro? Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm, I have no, I just got an alternative certification program. I I haven't taught, I didn't student teach, anything like that. And I got a job uh, working at Grapevine Middle School and kind of just, and the way it works up there is they've got four middle schools in Grapevine Colleyville ISD and two middle schools, like Cross Timbers is one. And I think Heritage Middle School, those go to those two schools. But Grapevine Middle School and then Colleyville Middle School, um, they're like a split. So like our demographics at Grapevine Middle School were like 30%. We're going to go to Grapevine in 70. We're going to go to Colleyville. It was weird how all that stuff worked. I didn't know about it. But, but anyways, um, I got fortunate enough to work with uh, um, Coach Randy Jackson. Who yeah. is the head, he's the head coach at um, uh, North Forney right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, basically, I got to work with, with him and those guys. And, man, I tell you what, like I tell everybody all the time, like if you're going to get an education, it's always great to start at the junior high level just to kind of get appreciation for the grind um and then um and then move up to the varsity level uh, when it's your time you know um but I, I I appreciated it and I always had talks with him like I don't want to stay at the middle school level I want to be varsity coach if I nights. and he was just like all right well these are the things you know these are the things you got to do you know you have to show up and so man like we have games we had three teams on seventh grade and three teams on eighth grade and we played Monday seventh graders Tuesday night, we played the eighth graders. Thursday night, we'd have JV games. So I'd be up there. Friday night, we'd have some kind of responsibility for the varsity. Saturday, I was up there watching film with them. I didn't have to be, I was just there. Um, or, or I'm presenting the scouting report, you know. And then Sunday, I didn't have anything, but I was always up there. And so what ended up happening, he, he left and went to North Forney. Um, the receivers coach at the time, uh, his name's Michael Ludlow, he ended up going and getting the OC job at Marshall in East Texas. And, man, I'm just telling you, the only reason why he even – because he worked receivers, and that's what I was helping with. And I was up there all the time asking questions. And the only reason, like, he reached out and said, hey, here's an opportunity for you to come to varsity level. You know, are you interested? At the time, I was single. I wasn't married, so I was like, absolutely. Like, where is it? And he's at East Texas. And I was like, I'm there. But the only reason he offered that is because, you know, I put in the work doing that stuff. But it's a lot of stuff that, like, you don't want to do. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your responsibilities with a whole bunch of other ones. So – that's how I got, you know, into, you know, I know I took your question and took, went straight with it. And then I took a, I just veered left. like No, I'm that's, with
0: that, you. That, that,
1: that's what got me to the varsity level. And it's, uh-huh. it's because of Michael Ludlow, um, that, that I'm at where I'm at right now, because he really invested in me as a coach and just took me under his wing and mm-hmm. really kind of groomed me, you know? So mm-hmm. I like, everything that I have, like, I, there's a lot of people that I've learned from and a lot of people that have helped me. Like it's a, it's a lot, but the foundation of where I started came from Michael Ludlow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now he's a huge staple who always forever be a good friend of mine. Um, But that's just kind of where it is. And I feel like every coach has that person um, that, that really went out of their way to invest in them. And so, that's, that's that. Sorry about uh, that.
0: No, that's, that's perfect. No, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, it's one of those things where once you're getting in, the people who invest in you, they teach you how to invest in others. And yep. so you mature as a coach, and as you get, you know, 10, 15 years in the game, you'll have a, a coach that you're mentoring. And that's yep. that, that circle of life happens, man. And, again, that goes back to your past. And my past is is, is different but very similar. Uh, as far as having a you know a rough upbringing in the beginning, but it was those that took care of me when I was young that that, that yeah. raised me up the way I should go. And so when you get old, you don't depart from it. You you keep raising other people up as as it needs to be. They uh, yeah. say this man my 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 favorite quote and I don't even know when I first heard it but I, I live by it is be who you needed when you were younger. And so any situation I think you and I are a lot of liking that as well. Uh, yeah, you get upset but you don't stay upset because you're 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 who you needed when you were younger, and these kids need yeah, yep. guys like you. So I, I mean, Coach, you, <laughs> you you just blessed. I, I've I've heard your story. In fact, I've heard it twice, but this third time that I'm hearing it now, I, I heard some something completely new. The way it was delivered, just like you said it. You know, every time yeah. you tell your testimony, it's something new, and so I get something new from it every single time. And it's this is. Man, it's truly been a blessing. This is gonna bless our listeners, God, and brother, you just blessed me again. So I appreciate it. And I, w-
1: I, will, I will say this though, man. Like, there's a lot of people who don't go out of their. It's not even a pride thing. It's just they're maybe scared to say something and be judged. And right. I just encourage anybody that's got a story. Everybody has a story, so mm-hmm. just, just share it. Like, you have no idea who might need to hear what you have to say. You know, to maybe it might save them. But at the same time. The relationship part, why I'm so big on it, is because I know how important those are, and I know where it can take you. And that's why my network, um, I'm not, I'm not meeting people and getting to know people because I want something from them. I just know that it's gonna, it's gonna help at some point because I know somebody to take me somewhere. You know what I mean? And so, I just encourage everybody to step out of their comfort zone and out of their little circle of friends and just get to know different people because, I mean. There's a lot of great people out there, you know, and, um, you know, once you take time and invest in them, man, there's, they're all, you're always going to have that connection and that network. And and you, you know, as well as me in this game that we call football and in this profession, we call teaching and coaching, it is a hundred percent about who you know okay, versus what you know. And Mm -hmm. someone can say what they want about that. But if you know people and they know you're a good person, they're gonna take opportunity and chance on you versus oh well you you have these great grades or whatever these certifications. No they're gonna take bet on the people that they feel like they can trust and that they really know. And so step out of your comfort zone, get to know people and share your story, man, because someone's waiting to be blessed by it.
0: A hundred percent man. Gosh you hit the nail on the head right there, man. Now coach this is how we wrap up every episode. So it's the first time I've ever done anything like this. And 30 for 30 always has these, these really neat tag lines, like 30 for 30, the U 30 for 30 broke. Uh, this is L.C. narrow. is uh 30 for 30. So what's your title? Um, encouraged. Mm, I love it. I love it. Encouraged. encouraged. That's what you are. And that's what you, uh, that's what you're giving us today, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Coach, I appreciate everything and, Man, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. I know uh, we got a lot to talk about here very soon. So Yeah, no, you ain't lying. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> no doubt. Yes, sir. This has been 30 for 30 with Coach Cisneros.